and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 65. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today our podcast is old enough to retire in the United States, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to be discussing Next Gen's second season, episodes Q-Who, Samaritan Snare, and Up the Long Ladder. Let's get started. Q-Who, Season 2, Episode 16, Production Number 142, Original Air Date, May 8, 1989, Directed by Rob Bowman, Written by Maurice Hurley, Music Composed by Ron Jones, Guest Cast Include John Delancey as Q, Licia Knapp as Ensign Sonia Gomez, Calmini as Miles O'Brien, and Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. The Enterprise's nemesis, the powerful extra-dimensional being named Q, hurls the Enterprise across the galaxy after Picard refuses to let him become a member of the crew. Immediately upon arriving in this unexplored part of the galaxy, the Enterprise encounters worlds gobbled up by unknown forces, and it isn't long until the Enterprise comes face-to-face with those forces. Bridge, this is engineering. We are now at warp 9.65. The Borg are still gaining. They will follow the ship until you exhaust your fuel. They will wear down your defenses. Then you will be there. Admit it, Picard, you're out of your league. You should have stayed where you belong. Q, who? All right, so um, uh, they, they created Next Gen, and Roddenberry wanted a new villain. He didn't want to use the same old Klingons and Romulans like they had for the original series. They created the Frangi, and that was an abysmal failure. Uh, of course, later the Frangi would be changed completely and made into a fun species, um, on, yeah, beloved species on, on DS9. Uh, but as the next-gen baddie, they didn't measure up. So Maurice Hurley uh, created the... The Borg, originally they were going to be like insects or something, but of course that was going to cost too much to actually do, special effects-wise. Originally they were going to be featured at the beginning of the second season, I guess, or at the end of the first. Mm-hmm. Whenever we saw the Romulans and that, right. that thing in the neutral zone where some planets were, outposts and stuff were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, of course, the rider strike messed that, up those plans. Um, so it got all the way delayed until now. So now we finally introduce what who they designed from the outset to be uh, the next gen baddie, and they hit the ball out of the park, and we're gonna. These guys are gonna terrify us for years to come, uh, in um, the different shows, and then of course featured uh, as the featured villains in one of the the movies, First Contact. So, I'm sure we all love the Borg. <laughs> you guys remember this as their introduction? It was kind of interesting, you know. Uh, I uh, listeners may recall that I've. While I had my wife watch all of DS9, I'm only playing her select next-gen episodes. Basically, I'm I'm playing her episodes that I either really love or that I think are just super important to um, Star Trek narrative and continuity. Um, so this episode goes in that list, probably a little bit more in the latter. I mean, I like it, but not nearly as much as some later Borg stuff. But it's, it's incredible for launching them. Anyway, mm-hmm. she did not uh, understand why I played this episode for her. <laughs> okay. She didn't get it. Like I'm like, no, they're going to be important, if nothing else. They're going to be important. No. Did not uh, get that. Well, um, 
I might have an answer to that because I don't really feel like it's a Borg episode. I feel like it's more of a Q episode than it is a Borg episode. Yeah, the Borg are introduced, but they're not in. You don't see them until the later half of the of the episode, and you don't really learn a whole lot about them. So I consider this more of a Q episode and a very good Q episode at that. Um, probably the best one we've seen since um, Farpoint. Um, just because of the banter between um, Picard and um, Q, and they kind of get into... Uh, in this episode, they kind of get into what Q's purpose is actually going to be in the whole series, and um, it kind of, to me, it kind of highlights what we're going to see later on in, in the later years of, of the series, um, what Q's all about and what he's trying to do with Picard and the Enterprise and the human race in general. So, I don't know, maybe that's why, I, don't, I can't say for sure, but may, but I don't consider this a, a Borg episode. They just happen to be in this episode. Well, I, I kind of feel... I kind of feel this is definitely good for a second season episode. I don't know how good it is in terms of the whole series. You know, I think it's good, but I don't know. You know, it's not great. Um, I think I think it may be one of those that it takes a, a Trek fan to appreciate the gravity of the first episode with the Borg. You know, I, I maybe maybe that could be the reason for that. Yeah. You know. Um. Well, it it is structurally it is incredibly odd. Mm-hmm. You know. It's really, it's a really weird episode, um, just plot-wise and structure. It, it starts off with, you know, uh, Q kind of kidnapping Picard for a bit in a shuttle. Uh, and then we have the, the brief sections, like in 10 Forward, that's a whole, this whole thing between Q and, and Guinan, which is some cool backstory stuff. And then, of course, we have the actual encounter with the Borg. Um, and then uh, they get uh, brought back, but structurally, it's really odd because it's it's not the episode's almost over before you even realize what is the actual dilemma, what is the the narrative or the plot, or what's the climax of this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for the most part, it's it's significantly out of the hands of our primary crew you know yeah uh, what happens in this episode um but it still it still works i think this is an episode that i've liked more over the years like i don't think i i, I guess i yeah i just maybe i appreciate it more than anything for uh what it's setting up in star trek um but having just watched best of both worlds recently of course yeah which realizes the board you know better than um uh, any other episodes arguably realizes Star Trek villains better than anything else. Um, but 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 the 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 concept of giving us a villain that we have no concept of, you know, like Star Trek is it, it, the Federation. They're used to, for example, something as simple as who's in charge. Even if it's a computer, whatever. There there's some entity or person or whatever that we mm-hmm. can talk to, we can reason with. Or, frankly, that if, if it's a battle that we can defeat, you know? Um, and that's, that's the way all life uh, works, not just the Federation, but all life, you know, the life forms. Um, and that makes sense to us. It makes sense to us as individuals. Um, this concept it was beyond our comprehension, and it was so outside of the realm of of uh, anything we ever experienced before, and I, and I like that 
I love that idea, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I and I certainly think that they came up, they they executed it very effectively. Um, but you're right, yeah, it isn't. It is kind of a Q episode, certainly for long stretches. It is, um, but then it's also a Borg episode. It's yeah, it's just, it's just very odd. It's it's very odd, um, but I definitely enjoy watching it. Maybe it's just too that I'm watching it. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like watching the prequel <laughs> the main show, you know, right, right. And, and when you love that main show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that watching this episode first and then not getting best of both worlds for, for like a year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that that massively adds to the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, now there is, a, and and you could say they even had another year out of building it up, but it was just a line, you know. Data does have the line in this episode about. When, when they find the planet that had been ravaged or whatever. He said, it's similar to what happened uh, in the neutral zone, um, that what we saw, you know, what we know we saw a year ago. But it's such a throwaway line, you almost don't even connect it. Um, but let's talk about the Borg for a minute. Um, I think one of the other incredible things about them is just the, uh, the this visual consistency of design. Like the exterior of the ship, the interior of the of the ship, uh, and the actual Borg drones themselves. There's there is this incredible consistency between all that in a way that that isn't even possible. I don't think with with normal people. Like you can't you can't look at the exterior of the Enterprise and say, yeah, that matches their uniforms. Right. <laughs> you know? I, I can I can say that with the Borg, and I don't mean that just in the super literal sense of that kind of looks similar, but just in the, the philosophy of design, there, there's this incredible consistency. And, and, and the, the immediate effect, effect to me is to very quickly and convincingly um, broadcast who these beings are. Um, do you guys remember... Do you guys remember this? Or was it? Did it really take Best of Both Worlds to solidify these guys? Uh, I, I remember the episode certainly, and when it happened, I believe. Um, I don't know that I really appreciated the gravity of it. I remember thinking it was a very interesting uh, concept for a villain and something we hadn't seen before. I didn't know whether or not we would see a great deal more of them. Um, but yeah, I do. Remember. And it's interesting. Um, Kind of off topic, but going back and you know watching this again, and I remember this being the case. But you know the the nature of the Borg has slightly it slightly evolved over time. I, I mean the the biggest in the biggest way, uh, you know, you look at first contact with a Borg queen and such because of the, the need to have some kind of figurehead and representing the uh, collective, uh, and, and also the notion of assimilation, which didn't even really take hold until you know best of both worlds and so forth, which is such a big part of the Borg. But in this episode, it's all about the assimilation of technology, not the assimilation of people and so forth. Yeah. Now they're careful, at least, and they don't come out and say that's all. What, that's the only thing we do. So I guess it leaves it open yeah. enough that you don't feel necessarily like they didn't know what they were doing. But you could you could also bring the same thing up about the Borg baby. Mm-hmm. You know, the implication here is that they actually procreate create those babies. But you know, later we're gonna it's gonna be better explained that oh they they found those babies and then they assimilated them. And they put them in these chambers just to grow, make them grow up faster since they're useless. 
children. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we're kind of explaining stuff away, but the point is you don't see any more born babies after this. So it's just one of those little things, but it, but it's still kind of consistent. Um, but, but you know, um, you guys, the Paula block and, uh, who's the person always writes with Paula block. Oh yeah. I know if I heard um, it. <laughs> I can't remember. Terry Erdman. I think anyway, maybe, you maybe. know, they wrote that book, um, Star Trek 101, which is a, the perfect book to like, you know, if, if, for example, you marry somebody that doesn't know Star Trek, you can get them that book, right? <laughs> um, I read this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll know everything you need. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that, you know, for each series, they did their list of, like, the 10 must-see episodes to understand this series. Mm-hmm. And this episode is on that list for Next Gen. Hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's sense. not even necessarily... Yeah, it's not even necessarily talking about quality. It's just talking about it's such a significant definition for the entire series uh, that it has to be seen. Um, well, that makes sense. Like I said, I think that makes sense in both ways. It's You have the, I'm going to reiterate it, you have the Borg that are introduced, which become a very integral part of not only this series, Next Gen, but um, you know Voyager, they're a big part in Voyager. Um, we even see them in Enterprise. Um but I also think, like I said, I also think it sets up Q because there's that, I mean, especially because he's showing um, Picard's ego, um, our, our humanity's arrogance that we think we're mm-hmm. able to do anything. And um, I think this is the first time that Q actually teaches a, a valuable lesson to mm-hmm. um, the Enterprise crew because he's like, oh, really? You think you're you think you're ready to to see see what's out there, and um and I think it's the the first time that Q is actually valuable to them. Even though like he has that line at the end of the nose, um, if you don't want a bloody nose, don't don't come out here. Go back mm-hmm. to your go back to your your mommy you could, or whatever he says. You could make the argument now. This is a, an after this episode was made, kind of after the fact thing, but in Star Trek continuity, um, we're gonna find out later that the board already know about Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Like what happens mm-hmm. in Enterprise and stuff like that. Um, so the Borg do know about Earth. Uh, what Q does here is is actually helps humans more than anything else just to get us ready to kick us mm-hmm. in the butt, mm-hmm. as Picard says. But that's outside of this one, really. Um, the one thing I really remember about this this episode, the one thing I remember about the Borg is that they scared the crap out of me. <laughs> mm. yeah. You know, I found them absolutely terrifying. Um, on the kind of philosophical level, there's the terrifying aspect of, you know, you see these, these Borg, and I don't, even, I, don't, I don't even think they use the word assimilation in this episode, do they? No. Assimilate technology more. Yeah, but we don't necessarily see them and think of they're finding more humans to turn into the Borg. It's not necessarily that, but just philosophically this idea, like like we see people in our society, uh, we're all more and more um, technologically dependent. And I'm not exaggerating or, or when I say sometimes I'll spend way too much time on my phone throughout the day and, I, you know, I'll look down at the thing, and it'll be so low, and I'll and I'll think, you know, what am I like? I'm, I'm <laughs> two hundred years from now, I'm a Borg. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that. I think that. Um, you know, we have to be we we have to be careful uh, to not let these things kind of overtake us. So there, so there is this this uh, 
metaphor there that I do find absolutely frightening. Um, but then, in a very practical way, I think they're scary as hell. When the away team goes over to their ship and they're just walking around and the Borg ignore them, mm-hmm. that was shockingly terrifying. And it still scares me when mm-hmm. I think about that. You know, And we don't know exactly why, um, but if it's something just as simple as they so don't even see us as us us being uh, the Federation. They don't even. They so don't even see us as a threat that they let us just beam onto their ship and walk around. Uh, that's scary. How superior are they? <laughs> they don't even pay attention. That's that's frightening. Well, I think it's also the potential for something all the time. You know, if you know, we're used to certain things like if we are intruders on, you know, if we're intruders in something, we're used to seeing some TV or movies that you're going to get attacked in some or something. You know, they're just going to. But in this case, it's all just okay. Well, they're not okay. What's what's up? So, but you always no, feel like they right now. Yeah, but at any point in time, you don't know something we do could set them off. I mean, because at this point, we already saw them cut the, which was also terrifying. Cut the ship open, take out the whole, you know, all that those decks and crap and people dying and stuff. I mean, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, they they were so overpowering. You know, usually, you know, the Enterprise and Beskin, you know, they're evenly matched with the Klingons and Romulans for the most part, but they were so outmatched mm. by the Borg. I mean, it was just like they could just, you know, just slapping them around that the shield just could do anything they wanted to the Enterprise. I think actually. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm um, actually watching this. I was actually surprised that they stay, stuck around so long after they, you know, blew a couple holes in the Borg ship. I'd have been like, let's get the hell yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any time, yeah. Anything we can do to. I think. I think also talking about what makes them scary too. I think on a very base level, maybe in kind of a, a shared culture kind of fashion. There's also that kind of Frankenstein zombie thing going on too. You know, when you got I mean, at this point, we don't know that they were other we don't know that they were human beings that were turned into something and assimilated and now they you know they look dead white and all this stuff too but nonetheless you have this kind of just going about a task emotionless you know force when they're moving about you know and that that kind of thing i think is always a scary well, concept you know again that idea that um we don't know how to deal with these people creatures mm-hmm. yeah. because they're so different just as as Guinan says you know you don't uh, reason with them uh, uh, Q says they're not interested in I don't talk political yeah uh, advancement or whatever that that that's not what they are um, and that's scary uh, that you can't even Reason it's not them. a question of learning the language. It's a, you, 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 there's no concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's scary. They're, in that way, uh, you know, the, the, for example, the, the Romulans could be trusted to uh, leave you alone if it was in their best interest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. The point is, there's just there's no there's no way around it with um, mm-hmm. with the Borg. And some, you know, the um, so you're right, Adam. I think we do get some actual character advancement with Q. Um, we get some just a tiny bit with Guinan, which you know I mm-hmm. love Guinan. We all love Guinan, uh, but you know she doesn't. Uh, her character doesn't advance much in this show. And that's part of the mystery of her character, and they would kind of ruin that if they did it much. Um, so I, I don't mind. I think it's a good thing. But we do get a tiny bit of. 
Of, for um, history, that kind of for thing. history. We know she has a history with Q. This is the episode. I remember it was in one of the. Yeah, it was this one where um, she goes and she sits in her office and looks at a screen. This is like the only time in all of Star Trek that you see guidance office. It's pathetic, but oh. I just I, was, I, <laughs> yeah. I always I always remember that every time I see it. I'm like, we never see this again. Well, so but my favorite part was of it. When she was holding up her hands like she was going to fire a lightning bolt at him, I'm like, oh, yeah. Doing? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going yeah, to do to like, Q? She looks like she's going to curse him or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a lot of that, you know. Uh, it's okay that we're going a little over in time on this one. A, it's worth it, and B, we don't have to spend a lot of time on the other two today. <laughs> um so yeah, it's just it's a the, the most bizarre thing about it is that the most interesting thing about it to me is that it's such a it's such a bizarre episode. It's like an episode that almost doesn't work on its own, um, yet it does. But just narratively, plot wise, it, it's such a weird thing. You know, we don't even understand what the conflict is until it's nearly over. Um, is this episode about anything? Um, well, you guess you could, I was thinking about this and it, like you said, it, this episode's kind of complicated. I think it is about something. It is about, um, a little bit of a human arrogance, um, humility, maybe in a way. Um, so two of the things that I kind of came up with when I was thinking about it earlier. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I think <clears throat> maybe also the notion of that there's. Um, just when you think you got things figured out, sometimes you know there's always something out there to face that uh, that you're not going to understand. That's gonna that's gonna be outside your realm of experience or whatever, and that can you know give you a bloody nose or in some way you know literally or figuratively. You know. Well, I like this at the end. You know, Q says something along the lines of "It's not safe out here. There are wonders, uh, <coughs> but it's not for the timid." You know, sometimes you have the question of. Uh, is it worth it? Um, mm -hmm. And there are certainly members of the human race that would say no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they would much rather stay here. Hmm. Um, that's true of of all explorers, but it's it's also kind of true, I think, just in humans. You know, do we do something different, or do we just do the same safe things all the time? And. and Definitely, this this concept it's a little bit less, but uh, less present. But just like I said earlier about the Borg and and uh, becoming technologically so dependent on technology that we lose our identity, um, that we lose what makes us special as not just as individuals but as a species. Um, I think that that, that individuality. is yeah, and I think if anything, that's become even more. Uh, true today than it was when this episode yeah. was made. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, uh, one other thing I want to mention, which we don't talk about very often, but because this like special effects, because they're always good, they're great. But I think the effects in this episode are really good. You know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I said, the, the design, the consistency of design with the Borg is great. But stuff like just those shots, you know, you, when you see the Enterprise sitting in front of the Borg ship. Uh, one of you guys mentioned earlier that when they're cutting into the hole mm -hmm, and pulling mm -hmm. out that, it looks cool. It looks great. It, it's really well done. Um, um, 
but you know it's still scary like when they're when they're going 9.65 warp which i know is just about as fast as they can go mm-hmm. and that borg ship is still gaining on them you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. and then uh picard has his appeal to um q you wanted to frighten us we're frightened <laughs> i'm mm-hmm. frightened or something <laughs> like that yeah. you know uh help us you know and, and he does have to be humble and then of course we have that last scene with Guinan where he says maybe this kicking our butt is just what we needed right. anyway there's a lot in this episode there's a lot to digest i i i really i wanted to know like that my wife had watched it and said why did you play me this one um and i thought that was interesting and, and worth noting too uh because despite the fact that it even paula block and I think Jared put it on their list of top 10 episodes you have to see to understand Next Gen. Um, it's still an episode that is very oddly structured and somehow works. Maybe it, it does, but maybe it is good for Star Trek fans. Maybe it's not, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's not like, well, obviously, even if we said it was great, it wouldn't be as great as, say, Measure of a Man, but. I think maybe it doesn't stand like we we said at the beginning of this conversation. Maybe it doesn't stand out like. Um, well, maybe my, my only like it's for non-Star Trek people. It does kind of start off plotty. It kind of starts off slow and kind of plods along. Um, it takes a it takes a few minutes for this um this episode to get going. Yeah, I think I think one other thing that occurred to me watching this is that um, I think we, we've already kind of alluded to this notion, and we'll we can talk more about Borg as we go through the series, obviously. But uh, I don't I don't I think it's easy to underestimate um, that that contribution to the Trek universe. I mean, it could be said, you know, for for just your average Joe out there who may or may not be a big Trek fan, the Borg, as far as what Next Gen contributed to the the whole Trek universe is, is huge. I mean, for some people, they might know that better than many of the main characters. They know the Borg. They know what the Borg are. It's one of those things that occasionally, maybe not so much now, but even now, occasionally, you hear little references. A lot of people know what the Borg are. They know what they represent. They know that kind of look, what that kind of deal is. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think it, it, could, it could be maybe one, like the single greatest contribution Next Gen gave to the whole Trek universe. You know. Well, yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, people that don't know Star Trek, they know who the Klingons are. Yeah. For example, uh, the Borg are almost up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've covered this one pretty thoroughly. Let's move on to six degrees for Q. Who? Uh, who wants to go first? Quick, I'll quick, quick. Adam. This is the first appearance of the Borg on Next Gen, but it will not be the last. Counting this episode, how many episodes of Next Gen feature the Borg? Is it 6, 10, or 14? Uh, I'll go 10. No, no multiple, no, no uh, save there since you only have a couple of options, Steve, but uh, what would you have guessed? 6. Yeah, it would have been six. Uh, Steve, the Borg will be featured many times on Voyager, but only once on DS9 and only once on Enterprise. Name either episode. (laughs) Okay. Oh, um, it'd be um, Emissary for DS9. DS9. Yeah, so you get the point, but just out of curiosity, do you remember the Enterprise name? I I do not remember the name of that episode, no. Regeneration. Hmm. Uh, Steve won. Adam Nunn, moving on. (laughs) 
Samaritan Snare, Season 2, Episode 17, Production Number 143, Original Air Date, May 15th, 1989, Directed by Les Landau, Written by Robert L. McCulloch, Music Composed by Dennis McCarthy, Guest Cast Include Diana Moldar as Dr. Catherine Pulaski, Christopher Collins as Grebnid Log, Leslie Morris as Reginod, Daniel Benzali as Surgeon, Lishia Naff as Ensign Sonia Gomez, and Z Ma as Biomolecular Specialist. In order for Wesley Crusher to complete his Starfleet exams, he must travel to Starbase 515. Wesley is unexpectedly joined on his trip by Captain Picard, who has been ordered by Dr. Pulaski to undergo a cardiac replacement operation. While Picard and Wesley are away, the crew responds to a distress call from the Paclids, a race of lethargic humanoids. They're experiencing total guidance system failure with less than 24 hours reserve power. Maybe I can help. What brings you so far from home? We look for things. What were you looking for? Things we need. Can you be more specific? Things that make us go. This episode has its moments, but... I uh, I always remembered it because of the crazy, the packlets, how goofy they are and stuff. Yeah. Um, of course, another thing that sticks out, though, otherwise, is how uh, bizarre the A and the B story are <laughs> together. You yeah. know, they have nothing to do with anything, you know. Yeah. We find out well, Picard it's... is a Borg. Come on now. <laughs> 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 well, it's funny that, because, yeah, I always remember the pack lids, too. And I remember them so well that I always think they must have been in more than one episode. But they yeah. weren't. Yeah. No, you know? It's it's weird <clears throat> that this was really it for them. We see, like, I think we see them in the background and on DS9 extras and yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. But as far as, you know, actually featured like this, this is the only time. And I always remembered it as if there was more than one. But there isn't. Um, so there are some things in this episode I like. But... Uh, I, well, we get, well, we get some great background on Picard. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're, this isn't the last time we'll see this story. We'll get a great episode in mm-hmm. what, season six. Based yeah, on this so. little Capsule. story, yeah, and I love that. That's the, yeah. First of all, I love the idea of sticking Picard and Wes in a shuttle together. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, we do actually, and it's a it's an organic way to have Picard open up a little bit in a way that we that he never does, right? Because mm-hmm. um, he does feel a tiny bit like he's a mentor to this boy. Um, he does have a relationship with the boy and his mother. Um, more than he would with any other child. Um, so it, it, it feels natural that he would open up a little bit when he tells us that story, you know, that we're going to find out and get better and or should be shown in tapestry. When he tells us that story, um, I believe that he would be telling it to, to Wes. He's not the kind of guy that would just tell a story for entertainment or something. That's not yeah, hard. Yeah. He's telling him this story because he's explaining to him about how he used to be undisciplined. Um, so there's there's a lot uh, there's a lot to it. Um, well, so I was gonna say, well, it's kind of funny to me watching these um, these first couple seasons, um, going back, and you see how kind of rigid Picard is. He's got a pretty damn big ego. I guess I could, best way I can explain it is like um, I think Picard's ego hurts him more early on. In, in the series, at least up until Best of Both Worlds, you know, and then it 
and when you look at Kirk, his ego usually helped him. And um, it's just funny to, see, to go back and watch because, late, you know, after season three, Picard is a lot more, I think he knows himself a lot, a lot more. Obviously, you know, it's seasons in and Patrick Stewart knows the character more and it's a lot more developed. But he's very rigidy, rigidy and grouchy in these first couple of seasons. And you see that early on in this episode. Um, and it's weird to me because I don't look at him that way anymore to go back and, and look at these the way he used to be. I have a feeling that kind of mirrors Patrick Stewart and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. him on the show. You know, this show, this this set was was pretty well known for everybody was pranksters. They were always cracking up and stuff. Uh, but especially when the show first started, Patrick Stewart wasn't really that way. He, he took everything so seriously. Um, and I, everyone's talked about, all the other casts talk about how he opened up more and more as the series went on. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for the for the stuff that I like in this episode, like those Wes um, uh, Picard scenes we were discussing, for the fact that the Packlets are somehow memorable, which kind of defies logic. <laughs> um, I pretty much do not like this episode because of bad plotting. Um, I had I look at, when I was researching this episode I found several people give it give what I already thought of as my problems with this episode they gave it a name which I had not heard before um, idiot plotting is what they <laughs> called it um, and what this means is the only way this story works is if at several time several points during the story um, a character just suddenly becomes an idiot <laughs> and does something that they would never have done. Um, Can we start with Riker? <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> only because the the story needed them to be an idiot at that moment yeah, and to yeah, do something yeah. else, you know. So yeah, the very first thing is um, Riker sending uh, Jordy over, and it's made even worse uh, because Worf says, "Do we really need to send our chief?" Yeah, engineer? yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> yeah. pointed out, yeah. Wait, no, just send him. What are you talking about? I don't know. Okay, fine. And then. Later, and this is this is one that really bothers me the most. The one dang time that Troy comes on and her, <laughs> when we talk about on our podcast, especially these first few years, Troy doesn't have anything to do, right? Yeah. She finally her abilities. She comes on there, and her abilities can actually make a difference here. She comes on the bridge and says, "Jordy's in trouble. He's in danger." She literally says, "He's yeah. in danger." Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we need to get him out of there. The one time her abilities could help, she comes on. She says this, and what happens? Riker, <laughs> Riker calls Jordy and says, hey, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I'm fine. All right, good. Finish up. That's it. <laughs> Again, idiot plotting. Of course, he, Riker should have taken, would have taken uh, more action. And yeah. then there's stuff like, why is Picard sent away to a medical facility where there's where there are people that are <laughs> are <Qualified>. not qualified <laughs> when he's on a ship that is that has someone that is qualified? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, well, well, I didn't quite get that. You know, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, you know, his heart transplant, he probably wants to keep it private. But I mean, as a Starfleet officer, how private can you kind of keep that stuff? I mean, anybody could probably go read his file and realize that he has a fake heart. I don't, you know, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't quite get that whole dramatic. I don't want anybody to know my image, that kind of thing. It was kind of forced yeah, to me. Yeah. I, mean, just, I guess just to drive the episode. Yeah. 
I don't know. So, so that stuff just that stuff really does. I mean, it has to be pretty bad for it to bug me. You know, I generally, heck, on our last podcast talked about Inch Darkness. You know, there's there's stuff in there that probably should bother me, just narratively. That does that. These these things don't bother me. Fine, I don't care. It has to be pretty extreme. This to me is pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dumb stuff, right? Now. Especially Troy. Especially mm. the Troy yeah. bit. Come on. That doesn't. Mm-mm. Yeah, I um, and I also really hate these dumb. And this isn't the only time we've seen this example in in Trek in some way, shape, or form. But this riddle crap. I mean, I understand this this the riddles back and forth to give a code kind of thing, and I understand the value to that. But they always do not always, but uh, this is an example of doing that where it's like, how on earth is anyone getting any of this stuff? And let's do it in the goofiest way possible on top of it. You know, when they when they do this back and forth on the view screen, and it's like, yeah. what? It's silly. Why, why couldn't it have been something that? I, I think we understand the pack lids are pretty not intelligent. Yeah. You know, they could have done something that we could have understood. Yeah. And that would have been a lot more fun for me, the audience. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but they didn't. They did something that still doesn't make any sense to me, even with the end. <laughs> yeah. How, did, how the heck did Jordy get that from what they were saying? Right. <laughs> and, and what did they actually do? They shot out some gas and that really didn't do anything. Seems kind of over. The whole time I'm sitting there, why don't you just fire a low beam phaser, disable their shields, and beam them out real quick? I mean, how how hard yeah. is it? And why does why does Jordy even have to get those torpedoes uh, down in time? Yeah. Why do you even set why them up he, in the first place? It why would he even set them up? Yeah. Okay. Fine. You're, you want to you want them to believe that you really did it, but they're not. Yeah. You if could. they're not very intelligent, it shouldn't be that hard to fool them. Mm-hmm. Um. And then they just let them out there. Hey, we're out of here. You guys go screw Oh, yeah. That was the other thing, too. Like, not even a mention of uh, someone is going to come pick you up. I don't know. Or or if we didn't have to get back to save our cap- captain, we'd be arresting you guys or anything. Just, okay, let's go. Um, it's a little, it's a little, yeah, again, this is a perfect example of the kind of stuff that if the episode was really good, we wouldn't notice. Mm-hmm. But um, these these things are, they're not cool. Um, but we like things that make us go. Yeah, we look for those things. <laughs> um, unlike the person that wrote this episode. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I mean, sorry. What I don't like it. It kind of insults the intelligence of the viewer because it's like, really. I mean, could people, could creatures this dumb actually space travel? I mean, come on. It's just. You know. Even rip off somebody else's space travel. If that's yeah. the notion, even do that. You know? Yeah. Well, that's so. the one thing that, and if we're if we're going to try to find something for what this is about, mm-hmm. you know, um, wanting all these things and not even understanding what they are, just just uh, acquire, acquire, acquire. Uh, the more you get, the more you want, as Riker says, and then the more aggressive they become. Um, you know, and it's it's a stretch, but I did at least feel a tiny bit of mm-hmm. of um, kind of blind, almost consumerism, yeah. Um, which is certainly something that you could say about our society. I know that's something I'm personally mm-hmm. guilty of, um, like buying into um, wanting something and and not just not knowing why, but not having earned it. Uh, anyway, but it's, but it is kind of a stretch and. Not, I don't know. Do you guys have anything for what it's about? That'd be the closest thing I could come up with is basically what you said. So, <laughs> well, I think maybe it's a more the, the closest thing I could think about what it's about is more like you know the the story that Picard was telling him the lessons you know, the arrogance, 
that's kind of what I, you know, that's that to me, that was the best part of the episode. So that's kind of what I'm going with, what it's about. That's probably more about what that scene is about necessarily the episode, but mm-hmm. um, it's a really good scene. It kind of it makes this this um, episode memorable, and also we get a really great, great episode out of that story. So it's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's worth mentioning too. This is the second <clears throat> second of two episodes with that extra character in engineering, um, <laughs> Sonia Gomez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because I used to read some novels, and she did play a pretty big role in some in Star- some of the novel series. The Starfleet Corps of Engineers. She was. Yeah. 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 Um, well, yeah, in the, in the behind the scenes, like books that I read preparing for our discussion, it said that she was brought on as a potential comedic character, uh, which, because I saw it in more than one book makes me think that's probably accurate. But, uh, if you guys, um, the, uh, the new Blu-rays, there's a commentary on Q who, and, and Rob Bowman mentioned in that commentary that that she was brought on as a potential romantic interest for Lavar for for Jordy, excuse me. I could see um, that. So I'm not sure if that was true or not. He may have just been remembering incorrectly. Um, but either way, they dropped her after two episodes. So. Mm-hmm. Well, they definitely had the little comedic thing there when she spills coffee all over Picard. Uh, in in Q Who, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so. Mm-hmm. Um, Potentially comedic, the way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of potential. Uh, Picard tells that his Nausicaan fight story. Have we seen the Nausicaans before? I, I don't think so. So it's just him talking about it. We don't know what they're like yet. Yeah. Well, Picard's procedure and Riker's ruse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't help but be reminded a little bit of Kirk's Corbamite maneuver, which is um, a lot more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, right. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, uh, the part where um, one of the pack leads said, "You think we are not smart?" <laughs> I, and and Riker then says, "I think you need further development." I swear, every time on that line, I even remember thinking this before. <laughs> it's just it's the way the pack lead says it to him, and the way he stands up there and responds that I expect to hear and say, "You think we are not smart?" I expect him to say, "I think you're an." Hole. <laughs> I just think I'm waiting for that every time. It never happens. <laughs> anyway, you guys got anything else you want to add on on Samaritan Stare? So before we move on to up the long ladder? No, no, no. I'm good. <laughs> okay. Uh, six degrees for Samaritan Snare. Uh, Steve, I believe you have one. You go in first or second. And well, Adam went first last time. So, yep. Steve, Christopher Collins plays the lead Packlid, Grebned Blog. He needs things to make him go. In DS9's first season, he played the uh, Markalian Derg in the episode The Passenger. In this episode, the criminal Vantica uh, commandeers the body of a primary member of DS9's member of DS9's crew so that he can live on, eventually killing his criminal associate Dirk. Which member of DS9's crew has Vantica on the brain? Mm, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was it uh, Bashir? You're correct. It was Bashir. I think I'm going to ask this one before. Anyway, Steve, too. Uh, Adam? Collins also played the albino's head guard in DS9's second season when Dax, Kor, Koloth, and Kang reunite to kill the albino. Name the episode. It's also the name of the, the albino. Agreement. 
the, the agreement or the reason that uh, uh, they pack? all have to... Blood pack. You're so close. You're close enough that I'll let you take one more shot at it. Um, blood oath. You're right. Blood oath. Very good. Two to one. Moving on. Up the Long Ladder, Season 2, Episode 18, Production Number 144. Original air date, May 22, 1989. Directed by Winrick Colby, written by Melinda M. Snodgrass, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Diana Moldar as Dr. Catherine Pulaski, Barry Ingham as Danilo O'Dell, John DeVries as Wilson Victor Granger, Rosalind Lander as Brenna O'Dell, and Colomini as Miles O'Brien. <laughs> In response to an urgent distress signal, the Enterprise ventures into the FICA sector to save the Bringloides, a society whose planet is about to be, to just be destroyed by stellar flares. The Enterprise beams aboard the entire Bringloide civilization, which consists of about 200 humans and animals, led by a jovial man named Danloyo Odell and his headstrong but beautiful daughter, Brene. Dr. Catherine Pulaski. This is my chief of staff, Elizabeth Vallis. Tell me, is your entire population made up of clones, Prime Minister? Clones? Clones? Clones. Gentlemen, sometimes you have to bow to the absurd. <laughs> Indeed. <Yes. laughs> oh, golly. Uh, would one of you like to kick us off on this episode? Well, it's a, it's an interesting because it takes a little while to get into it. We have this whole mystery. It took me. I I'm watching this. I'm like, it took me a second to remember what this episode was it's about. Funny. Like, if you I'm watch like, the um on the on the Blu-rays, you know you can choose to play ep play with episode trailer or whatever. And I always do that because I haven't seen those spots in years. The entire TV spot next time on Star Trek: The Next Generation, it's all the cloner people. It doesn't even show the Irish stuff. And I'm so I'm starting to watch this episode. And I'm like. I think they put the wrong trailer in ahead of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it took me literally like a good five, maybe more than that, minutes to kind of figure out what the hell is this episode? I, I didn't remember it. I'm like, because it takes, because they're like this whole mystery. There's like, they're trying to figure out where where the ship came from that sent this distress signal. And I'm, I'm seriously start was like going crazy. I'm like, have I seen this episode? What's going on here? But then it gets into the absurd. So. Does anyone, th does anybody think this is like racist kind of, I mean, or something or whatever I'm trying to say, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of like, I mean, it's, we're a step away from like leprechauns and stuff going on. Yeah, no, it's definitely playing off, off uh, stereotypes and st stuff. all the stereotypes for, uh, for the Irish. Yeah. And I, if I was Irish, I would probably be insulted. You know, O'Brien should have been insulted. Hmm? O'Brien, yeah. Indeed. You know, like if that's the beginning, the middle, and the end of your definition of, of what this culture is, that's pretty sad, you know? Mm -hmm. But I did, I did enjoy the daughter. Mm. She was quite a Riker. So did Riker. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. Didn't take Riker long to enjoy that. Well, he uh, gets to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, generally, the long ladder, from, indeed. <laughs> start from the top and work your way down. <laughs> good, good advice for any young man, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and we were all young men when we watched this, but I remember I tr I still have that image burned in my head with her, you know, her halter top because you know I'm like what 12, 13 when this episode aired, and you don't you never didn't normally see that on TV in the 80s unless you're watching. Well, Baywatch hadn't even started then. I'm just, <laughs> I just remember going, wow, mm, yeah. that's what a girl looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that in in some ways, and folks, 
I think this is pretty much a, a this is a bad episode. I mean, even if it's not terrible, terrible, awful, it's something that I I do not enjoy watching really. <laughs> um, um, but it's funny because it's one of those times where, and we've talked about this sort of thing before, where it feels to me like it's so in the spirit of an original series episode. Like I could, I there were scenes in this thing like. I could see them doing, especially like the farm animals, and they bring this whole, and they're just Irish, and the funny little Irish music is playing. Like I could see this exact thing <laughs> yeah. in the original series, but it wouldn't have been bad in the '60s. <laughs> no, or you know, like the incredibly dated, humorous way that uh, the main Irish guy Odell, whatever, when he gets drunk, yeah, yeah, yeah. he does his little whoa, whoa, that's <laughs> that's the stuff there, whatever, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> Cleon whiskey. Yeah, it would have been. Not funny, but not offensive in the '60s on original series. But, but here it's just like, what decade are you from, man? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. And then of course we see the the clones, and and the entire episode completely changes. Yeah, it gets creepy. And then like I think about it, it's two two episodes in one. Which <laughs> uh, it's 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 weird. Um, it is weird. That's the and then of course. Has there have there has there ever been before or after a time when um, the Daniel Ma meant the captain <laughs> had to instruct a bunch of women to have a- at least three babies from three different men? So <laughs> make it so. Yeah. Um, um, was it just and me? These or women you- don't really have a problem with that. Yeah. Let's do it. Hmm. Um, was it just me, or were you kind of? I was kind of bothered by the scene where Riker vaporizes the clones. I just seemed like yeah, I, I they, they just kind of beam down that they don't tell the captain. They just beam down there and he vaporizes them. It just seemed, even though I mean, yeah, they have a right to be disturbed, but it just seemed like you know you just don't, especially because they're almost formed human beings. He just there is an ethical conversation there, you know. Well, it's it's uh, you know uh, this was uh, Melinda Snodgrass. <clears throat> we will always love because of measure of a man. I mean, the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, she is uh, pro-choice, which, so she is against abortion. Or excuse me, yeah, she's um, she's for abortion. She wants that to be legal. Um, you know, and Riker destroys those clones and says has some line about I get to decide what happens to my body or something to that effect. Right, right. You know, it's 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 pretty on the nose there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it just seems time, out of character. There were some people that were against abortion that were offended by Riker. I mean, not just upset, but like offended by Riker killing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't. I don't necessarily have a problem with the end result with the clones being just destroyed. I just have a problem with just the very fast and kind of casual nature of how it was done. I mean, you know, if you're going to go down and you know kill a clone, when you have to inform your captain and be like, okay, you know, because this is a this, yeah. Mm-hmm. We do get a little bit of the um, the relationship of Pulaski and Worf, <clears throat> which was which was something that was I think it was in the second season with Pulaski that was interesting at least was that relationship and the little things we saw with that you know yeah there's um, potential there you know yeah it's the kind of thing that I I enjoy it um, what it is but it, but it's it's odd that it's in this episode yeah, which yeah. is already so all over the map. Well, it doesn't even go anywhere. It's like it kind of they kind of seem to set it up like there's going to be kind of like this Pulaski War storyline <laughs> ends there. But the fact is that Pulaski's only going to be in a couple more episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's, she's not going to have a relationship with anybody. Um, I found it interesting on you know on the um, 
on the on the Blu-rays uh, that you have this, all these deleted scenes. You know, for all episodes, you have all these deleted scenes to look at. And uh, this one, you know, it's it's like you had this big turd that they whittled down to a little turd. You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so watch all the deleted scenes, and they're they're not very good either. It's not like they took yeah, out yeah. for something. But there it's was a, there wasn't it really oh. made me laugh though in those deleted scenes. There's a deleted scene. Uh, where Riker it just comes onto the bridge and just has like a little, well, I don't even remember, just one little line and he sits down. But what's funny about that scene is that Riker has the biggest smile on his face and then you realize, oh, that's, that is the scene that would have taken place right after the scene with the supporters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, he uh, spends some time with um, Miss Odell and then comes onto the bridge smiling. So that was nice. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, there deleted. There were deleted scenes on uh, oh, the one with Riker's dad, right? Oh, and yeah. They were, yeah. It's like no, nothing's. Um, <laughs> at the very beginning, the, when they're even the, the, ancient, there's an ancient SOS from the Ficus sector, and I swear, I thought like fecal sector. <laughs> which, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know why I thought that, but yeah. then I saw the episode and I thought, well, maybe that's it's <laughs> kind of right. Um, so it's it's um, look, we got There's to talk about Q Who today. Q Who, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great episode, very important. Yeah, very good, even and very good and incredibly influential and very <clears throat> very very important. Star Trek: The Next Generation, all of Star Trek would not have been the same without it. This episode, I would not say that about. Yeah, um, is there any look like Eddie Murphy? Oh my God, yes, that guy totally. One of the clones totally looked like Eddie Murphy. I think that's why they didn't have him talk because when he did, if he didn't sound like Eddie Murphy, it would have been too weird. Could it have been Charlie Murphy? <laughs> um, is there anything in this episode that you guys liked? Okay, so you said you said the Wharf Pulaski stuff you liked. Yeah, and 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 yeah, looking at the Odell daughter. Yeah, I think that there's probably an interesting discussion for you know I like the the scene with um and yes I agree with you Steve, uh, she's very. Full body. Mm-hmm. Um, I like she's the very, scene. Very lovely. Yeah, she's not like petite, like she's a woman. You know, I like her. Um, <laughs> I like the scene in um, the lounge there, where um, Odell and the clone prime minister and Pulaski and Picard, right, uh-huh. um, and Riker. And, I like that. There's the, but but I, I that you know, it makes sense that the cloners' first thought for help would you know we need help so we need more DNA so we can continue cloning. It makes mm-hmm. sense that that's their that's how their life is that that's that's their first thought and how to help them. Mm-hmm. But I like that scene where it's just he just asks so nonchalantly like, yeah, just give me some of your DNA. What's the big deal? He doesn't even understand why Riker is so upset. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and of course. Riker reacts like we would probably react, maybe not the way you would expect um, a trained Starfleet officer to react. But um, I mean, to say no, of course, but the the way that he's like almost offended is a little surprising. Maybe he's a little judgmental. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, But that aside, that's an interesting discussion. Well, is it a big deal? You know, should it be? is my individuality defined by that, you know, by my uniqueness? Um, 
there, there's some interesting kind of questions there. They don't really ask them. They don't pose them outside of that scene. They're very, very brief. Um, but I, I like that concept. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I analyze that question better later. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that um, I'm watching that scene and he's like, one Riker is unique and special. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, well, there's another one out there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, right. yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I, I see what you're saying, Brian, but they did. They didn't do a very good job putting that together in this episode. It's just not. <clears throat> it's just well, not Scott grass so much. It's forced almost and doesn't feel comfortable. It's just not very good. Was that you? But it was that she thought it was interesting? Uh, you know, you have these people that are dismissed because they're so primitive, but but yet they're the ones that hold the the answer for this other kind of doomed race. Um, and she wanted to have an, a modern allegory to uh, the United States' crappy policies on immigration in the eighties. Hmm. I don't think that's here at all. I don't think we see any of that. I don't feel it at all. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't read it, I wouldn't even have known it. I think that it was all lost in uh, rewrites and editing and and straw hay and exactly. Whiskey. Yeah, I was just about to say and and um, stereotypes for Irishmen. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny. I mean, because like once they get to the clone world, this episode takes a big turn. I think we discussed it before. I think I, they, you know, I they should have just it should have been just a fun episode. I mean, and what they were trying to say towards the end it just didn't really play very well. Um, I think this episode would have been a little bit better if they just would have went along with the absurd. Maybe um, if they just had, it would have been a better parallel mm-hmm. uh, if they had an entire planet of Eddie Murphy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, do you guys have anything for what this episode's about? No. Well, I mean, they're trying. they're trying to do, we've already alluded to this, but they're trying to do the you know the notion of you, you know you 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 can't take for granted where you where the answer may lie with you know you have the like you said there's a primitive culture and then this other that see they seem primitive but then these you know these clones they, they need each other and the et cetera et cetera but there's so much going on there I don't know that it comes across and, and there is that brief bit commentary on abortion but again. <clears throat> It's so brief and it's so, uh, it's so, it's almost, it's almost preachy. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. not, an, that's not. And to me, it's just kind of out of place for this episode from where it started and where it mm. went. You know, just kind of like, okay, now we're going to say this. Right. Like they're trying to, okay, you can't, you can't, I mean, I guess you can, but it's, it's really hard to do is to be, is to introduce some really serious stuff. And then let's also be just Goofy. dumb, dumb comedic. I mean, dumb comedic stuff, you know, stereotype, yeah, let's have dumb comedic pigs stuff. running around and, and, yeah. and guys going, woo-wee, that's the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so is this a bad episode? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bad. It's bad. Is it embarrassing? Ron Moore once called. He didn't work on it, obviously, but he once called it an embarrassing episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? We got to talk about Q Who today. We got to talk about the Borg, which means we're one episode closer to episodes like the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Six degrees for up the long ladder. I believe Steve has two. Adam has one. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Adam. You want to go first or second? I'll go first. The title of this episode was originally Send in the Clones, a reference to a Stephen Sondheim song. In fact, this line is still said near the end of the episode. 
what's the name of the song? There's a title in the song called Send in the Clones. Um, I this don't know. This episode was originally called Send in the Clones, which was a humorous reference to a Stephen Sondheim song named what? <clears throat> I don't know the name of the song. This made me think of Star Wars when I heard that line at the end. So go for it, Steve. Uh, I, I don't know. Send in the clowns. <laughs> okay. Steve, Riker states that one Riker is unique, but more than one, not so much. We'll meet a second Riker, his duplicate created in the Transporter Incident. In the next gen episode, Second Chances, in which season was Second Chances produced? Mm, was it the sixth? You are correct. It was the sixth. Steve takes it for the day. Steve. Steve. Um, I'll say put your check in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, you know what? In two weeks, we come back and we're going to finish out season two, which means, yes, we're going to be discussing four episodes, but one of those is the the dreaded clip show. So we figure we don't need as much to spend as much time on that one. So we are going to be finishing up season two in two weeks. Uh, and then we're going to be on to season three. And I was just looking over the list of season three, which is a lot of people's favorite episode, favorite favorite season in next gen. And man, you get about halfway into season three and it just kicks off and it doesn't stop. It's just great episodes mm. all the way till the end. So that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. We also get uh, the collars. We get the, with the little um, collars in season three, right? <laughs> Adam, is, Adam is most excited about that, folks. <laughs> that's cool. I respect no, that. No, no, no more V-necks. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. All right. Um, follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash Trek Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Um, we had a couple more people send in their thoughts on Into Darkness. I will, I'm, I'm going to put them on. I'm going to read them or something maybe at the end of the next episode. Uh, we've just been uh, a little busier than usual since this is the first time in our history that we've done three weeks straight of podcasts. Um, so I'll get them on in the next one. Uh, you know what you could do, actually? If you like our show, if you leave a review on iTunes, it's how people find us. Uh, it's, the, it's the only way that people really kind of find our show. Uh, so if you could do that for us, that would be awesome. We would appreciate it. Till next time, thank you so much for listening. Take it easy. Bye. See you.